Welcome to a special edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Canadian jazz singer Jill Barber. She opened up about her latest 2018 CD called Metaphora and how her voice has such a timeless quality to it. She also talked about her fall intimate shows tour, the dedications, letting the fans decide what songs will be sang and performed. She was born and raised in Port Credit, a small place west of Toronto, and she has become a three-time Juno Award-nominated singer and songwriter with critically acclaimed repertoire that spans a transformative spectrum from folk to vocal jazz to pop and includes songs in both English and French. It's been a long time coming to speak to the great Jill Barber, and she had plenty to say. So please tune in and dig this interview, my friends. So, Jill, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. It is an honor and a pleasure to speak with you today. Likewise, a pleasure to speak with you. You know, I've been doing this show out of Kansas City since 2011, and I have done almost 820 interviews and nearly 600 shows. And every time I have you on the show, my engineer who has a show in Kansas City called The Neon Beat, we are just totally bespeckled by what we hear. We're like, my God, that voice, that sound, what she does. It, we, you've always blown us away. I've been searching to get an interview with you for over six years. So to put it, it I'm putting it mildly that I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. So again, thank you. I appreciate your time. Listen, uh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm sorry we didn't make it happen sooner, but here we are um, chatting today, and I'm delighted. So thanks for having me on your show. Yes, it's like a fine wine. So the way I actually got in touch with you technically was through Facebook Live, and it's because you were reaching out to your fans because you're doing a set of shows where you're asking for dedications, which is such a great 21st century concept to pull the fans in and to really tap into this wide swath of song that traverses jazz, rock, and pop. And I want to know, how did this idea come about and how is it developing? It's an idea that I conceived of. Uh, I, I know what my job is, and my job is to communicate and to connect with my audience. You know, performing live for me is just, it, I love to do it. It's, um, I live for it. It can be a really powerful connection. Sometimes I think the audience underestimates how much a part of the show they are from my perspective. You know, I've, I've played live, I've toured a lot over the years, and I always go out after the show and meet with the audience, and I often hear from folks, you know, that there was a particular song they were hoping I was going to play and perhaps didn't play, or they'll share stories with me about um, the songs that I did play and what what those songs meant to them and I always have a little bit of regret that I didn't know that I didn't hear the stories in advance of the show or that I didn't know you know when I was coming up with the set list the songs that people really wanted to hear so I came up with a solution and that was just to give people the opportunity to get in touch with me in advance and let me know the songs that they want to hear and also give them an opportunity to either dedicate them to someone in their lives and I could do the dedication or if they want, they can do the dedication. I could call them up on stage and they could do it. And it was just a way to like to really pull the audience in more to the show. So before we get into Port Credit, the beginnings of your life and the alpha of this music career that you have, I want to piggyback off of this live notion of what you're doing right now and ask you this. When you're performing... 
what songs are you just like relieved that you get to sing during a set? Like you're, it, it comes up and you're like, man, I'm so glad I get to do that one. I still really enjoy playing a lot of my own songs, but it's always um, a real pleasure for me to sing in French. I have a handful. I released a French album uh, five or six years ago. I'm also working on another French album at the moment. I really, as a vocalist, it's really a pleasure for me to switch things up and sing in French because it's like my voice is my instrument. It's kind of like using my instrument in a different way. It really is a pleasure for me to sing in French, and people um, people seem to enjoy it. It's a nice way to kind of switch gears in a show. So I have a handful of French songs that I love to, to pull out when it feels right in the set. So let's go back to the yeah. beginnings of your life in Port Credit, um, a little lakeside neighborhood west of Toronto. And I want to know, what was your childhood like? How did you get into music and jazz in this world of music? Yeah, I'm one of those rare people that thinks, like, I had a pretty idyllic childhood. <laughs> you know, like, I um, I have two lovely parents, um, an older brother. We, um, you know, grew up in a nice house where we, you know, small small home, but, you know, big backyard. And we didn't really, I wasn't wanting for anything, you know. I, I just, um, but we didn't have too much of anything either. You know, it was just like very idyllic. You know, my parents were good in one respect, which is they kind of, if my brother and I expressed any passions, they would really support us and help us try to, you know, pursue them. So, like, one, I remember, like, an early passion of mine when I was a young teenager was photography. And, like, you know, my parents helped me, like, actually set up kind of a darkroom situation in our downstairs laundry room. And, you know, like, they really, they were very supportive. So when my older brother, you know, said, oh, I really want to learn how to play guitar, you know, my parents... Like one Christmas morning, we woke up and they gave they gave my brother a guitar for Christmas and a few lessons. So like he, it was my older brother that started playing music, and I worshipped Matt and you know just grew up kind of following in his footsteps. So he lent me his he would let me play his guitar and he would he taught me a few chords. And it wasn't long after he and I first learned how to noodle around a little bit on the guitar that we were both writing songs. And he was one of my biggest early supporters. So he really encouraged me when I was 14 years old to to write music, to write my own music. Um, so I was doing that from, from when I was 14, and uh, it was a great outlet for me as a teenager. Uh, it still is a great out, outlet. The songs are a little less angsty now than they were then, but um, yeah, I've been writing songs for a lot of years. So who were your early influences? What albums did you put on where you're like, man, that's just, that, that just feels right? We listened to a lot of Neil Young in our household and a lot of Joni Mitchell, a couple of Canadian classic you know, folk artists. The jazz influence kind of came by way of Ella Fitzgerald. My mom, my mom's always loved Ella Fitzgerald. And there was one particular album by a Canadian jazz artist named Holly Cole. When I was a teenager, um, she had an album called Don't Smoke in Bed that I kind of fell in love with. And um, so she was uh, she was a big early influence on me, especially in the kind of jazzy, jazzier side. I got a chance to, I played a jazz festival with her um, a few years ago and had, had a chance to tell her what her music meant to me. And that was pretty cool. So yeah. Ella Fitzgerald, um, and Frank, Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole, I think, is a big, you know, even at just Christmas time, listening to him, 
his voice. He has one of my favorite voices in the whole world. And um, yeah, and then and then I guess when I was in university, I got I got myself a record player. I would experiment more with with checking out different. Like I would go to my local record store and like thumb through de- dusty vinyl and essentially pick out pick out old jazz records that I just liked the look of the cover, you know, and would oh, take man, them home yeah. and listen to them there. Yeah. Yeah, that that was the art, absolutely. Before I depart the whole yeah. live world, do you have any plans of coming to Kansas City? I don't have any plans, but, you know, kind of like how you reached out to me through my Facebook Live, like sometimes it just takes one person to uh, help facilitate it, I guess. Like, um, yeah. you know, I, I, don't, I don't have an American agent working for me at the moment, so I can't say that I'm – I have someone, like, on the ground really – like working to get me shows, but if there was, uh, you know, if somebody wanted to help step up and make it happen, uh, you know, I, I, I like I love to play, and I, I've never been to Kansas City. I have met a handful of people from Kansas City. Um, funny connection here in BC. We, my, my husband and I, we have a cabin up on the Sunshine Coast, and we have a neighbor who has this kind of Kansas City crew that come up to this British Columbia wilderness every summer. So, like, I feel like I have, I would have a small cheering section for sure in Kansas City if I ever get to stay there. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. So the one thing that's Mm -hmm. the hallmark of you and your career and your style is that, you know, you obviously have jazz, folk, pop, rock. There's a lot of different genres and there's a lot of different things going on. How, How does this fit into your creative bit? How does this work into who you are? Do you approach them differently do you seek it out or is it happened by osmosis what what's kind of the evolution i mean i'm first and foremost i'm a songwriter i don't care so much about the genre that i'm working in as i care about the song and what i'm trying to communicate i think you know my musical tastes are diverse reflect a lot of my interests my musical interests and so to me it's very natural that my music and my albums would kind of take on different genres according to what the songs demand and and uh i mean it's been it has been confusing for people and i and I understand that you know um my manager for instance who i've has been my manager for i think sixteen years now he's kind of like he's seen me through all the like the the various genres um from folk to jazz to pop to you know French chanson to you know and and it can like in terms of building a career it doesn't make um doesn't make make a lot of sense but in terms of my own creative fulfillment it makes really good sense to to switch it up and keep it interesting for me and and kind of stretch my stretch my limbs creatively and, and work in different genres it would be boring for me to just be one type of artist so it's fun for me to to try out different things I don't know. I hope that answers your question. I certainly does. And my next question is this. You know, we all assume, I think sometimes we assume when you're as good as you are at what you do, that this is just something that you've always thought about doing in your life. Is there something else that could have happened? That's, that's part one of this. And the other part is, is the stage kind of a second home? Is that a comfortable place or do you get nervous? I don't know what else I would have done other than music or what else I may still do. I think music has always been the thing for me. <sighs> yeah, it's always been the thing. I, I didn't always think I could do it. Um, you know, 
it, it for a, for many years music be, being a professional musician felt like kind of a pipe dream. Um, but I didn't really have much of a you know plan B. I, I studied philosophy in in university, so I mean, I, I it's not like I was lining myself up for I mean a career in uh, I don't know. Like I, I I think I've just pursued my my interests and my passions, and I think part of the reason I studied philosophy is I was interested in the pursuit of happiness, you know. And I think for me. Music has always been uh, what's made me happy and feel grounded and feel connected. I feel so grateful uh, to to get to be a musician for my living. I don't take it for granted, and in fact, I don't. Even, I can't take it for granted because it's actually such a it's such a hustle. It's so it's you know. I kind of thought maybe by this point in my career things would get easier, but you know the industry is so challenging. It's not. It's it's <laughs> and and. To keep up with it, with how quickly it's changing, is is um, is a challenge. So you know, it's a hustle. It's, it's hard work, but it's um, it's I love it. And um, you know, that old adage of finding something you love. You, you know, I do feel in a lot of ways I've never worked a day in my life, but at the same time, I'm working all the time and thinking all the time about music and how, what to do next in my career and how to keep it, how to just how to keep it going, how to keep it having forward motion. And to answer your second question, I do feel very at home on the stage. That's not to say that I don't get nervous. I do, um, I've got, you know, nerves. It matters a lot to me, the live show. So certainly nerves play into something when you're excited or you, it means a lot to you. So I, I do get nervous, but I do feel very much at home. I love being on the stage. It's, uh, I feel like I can have my full expression of who I am when I'm on the stage. And it's a beautiful thing, and I feel very lucky. You know, the one thing that's very signature is that your voice is something, and, and this is my metaphor that I'm going to draw up for you. You know, I love watching David Lynch films because there's levels of it that are modern, but there's levels of it that are dated, and there's almost a timelessness of it. You're not quite sure what year it is. You just know that it's good, and there's all of these elements and I think that's kind of what the filmmaker wants. And the thing that I'm trying to parallel here is, is that when I heard your voice the first time, I thought this could have fallen out of that swing era 1930s radio just as easily as it could have today being something brand new. So how is it mm -hmm. that you have, and, and do you feel like you've achieved some level of timelessness with the way that your voice is projected onto music? That's a really good question. An excellent question about about um, timelessness, and I think, you know, people have always remarked to me that uh, my voice sounds timeless or from another era, and and I I love that, like because I think it can it can transport people, and I and as a songwriter and as a singer, that's what I want to do. I, I want to transport people to to another time and place, what it, wherever that is, not not necessarily, you know another era but to, like somewhere outside of themselves and a lot of my music has kind of a nostalgic older quality that I've kind of played into but I I kind of like the idea that I mean with my most recent record it's a lot more contemporary sounding and I, I also like the contrast of my voice which has a bit more of a timeless quality contrasted with a more contemporary production so I mean I think I play with it and and I think as a songwriter Certainly, my goal is to write songs that can stand the test of time. You know that that 
um, sound like sound kind of timeless. Um, that I mean, I, I think as a songwriter, I have control. I have more control over the songs and the songs that I write in terms of my own voice and its qualities. That's a little bit more of kind of like luck of the draw. That's just the voice that I was born with, and um, I think I feel like I write to serve my voice. If that makes any sense. Absolutely, it sure does. You know, you went to Queens College. You talked about being a philosophy major. We all go through levels of formal education, but probably one of the best educational jaunts that we can ever do in our lives is going to live performances. What was one of the first live shows that you saw that you just walked away and you were blown away? You were like, wow, that, that was amazing. You know who I saw who totally blew me away is Nick Lowe. That guy, he is such an incredible songwriter and such an incredible performer. He completely blew me away. Big fan of Nick Lowe. That's one of the more memorable shows that I can think of. Now, let's get a little fantastical here and say that the Jazz DeLorean pulls up in front of your house, and you can punch in the digits, and you can go wherever you want. Who are you going to go see? Who do you want to go see in the entire annals of, of music? Well, I guess I would have to return to my, my early influences, and I would, I would have to say Ella Fitzgerald. You know, yeah. she just... To get a chance to to see her live, yeah, that would be the ultimate for me. Her voice right just, yeah, just speaking of timelessness, I always find it amazing that you can walk into a Starbucks today and if they're playing Ella Fitzgerald, it's just like those songs, they're old songs, but they haven't aged. Yeah. They just sound, they just sound her voice and her her performance is as relevant today as it as it ever was. It's always fresh. It's mind blowing every time. Yeah, and even the yeah. beginnings of her life and how she got into the Apollo and the whole story. It's just it, there's a Helen Keller quality to it. that's mind blowing about how she did what she did. So you know you have been recognized with Juno nominations. You've gotten awards, and and it's never fair to say you know what's your favorite one, but I think it's fair to ask, what award have you gotten in your life that just genuinely surprised you? You walked away and you were like, there's no way that I could have predicted that would have happened. I don't know. I, like, I don't know if I feel like that. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess to answer your question, there was one that was a really nice surprise. And it was actually a jazz award. And it was awarded to me by SOCAN, which is our, our songwriters' rights organization here in Canada. They, they gave me an award for original composition in, in in jazz and I guess that was cool in a couple of ways one is that that it was actually a jazz award because I as much as I love jazz and have been influenced by it you know I don't I, I, I can't say that I really think of myself as a jazz with a capital J jazz artist I perform with real jazz artists who are incredible musicians so I guess just to be honored by the the jazz community as a as a songwriter within that community was um I felt very honored and and that one did really kind of come out of the blue for me. You know, I got a phone call one day and and it was also nice because it, I wasn't just nominated with other artists. I was they were going to give me this award, which was which was lovely. That, right on. Yeah, I suppose that's that's my answer. Yeah. So let's say tonight you have a dream 
that you run into yourself before you go on stage for the first time, and with all of these years of experience and wisdom that you've, you've accumulated, if you could just give yourself one bit of advice before you walk out there and begin this journey, what advice are you going to give yourself, your younger self? I think what I've learned over the years and what I would whisper into my own ear is that not only is it okay to be vulnerable on stage, I think it's actually it's actually part of the key to a successful show. I think when I started out, I, I thought that I had to give a perfect performance or one that just kind of didn't have any mistakes in it. And I really believe now that, you know, I think I was afraid of, of afraid of being vulnerable on stage. I wanted to just be totally confident and unshakable. But I think it's the vulnerability more than anything that people connect with uh, when it comes to music and and performance. Because as human beings, we, we are all vulnerable. And um, and that's a real, I think it's actually a gift to to be able to show your vulnerability freely on stage. And it's actually, um, it's a skill that I've learned over the years. Um, and it, it just makes for a better show. I think that, right. that would be my advice to myself, yeah. For the purposes of this being a jazz show, I want to ask you, I mean, I, I could expand this into other genres, but I just want to know, why do you love jazz? I think I love it because of the way that it makes me feel, and it makes me feel alive, and it makes me feel romantic and beautiful and... It elevates the everyday into something kind of extraordinary. I suppose if I had to choose, you know, a soundtrack to my life, it would be jazz music. So I suppose that that says something about um, how much it resonates with me and my my experiences. Beautiful. So everything's going to come down to this. Everyone has their version or interpretation of, of who they think you are how they see you and how they perceive you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you know yourself, you're running your life. Tell me, who do you think you are? Damn, these are tough and good questions. There's no, there's no one answer because I'm, I'm many different things. I am, you know, there are a lot of different facets to me and who I am. And uh, as you say, well, there are lots of different people will see different versions. I'm a person who makes songs. I have an imagination, and my imagination is musical, and my way of communicating with the world is through is through my songs. And so I think, who am I? I don't know. I'm a communicator. And what makes me feel most alive is when that connection is uh, made, particularly between myself and other people who... Um, who don't actually know me personally, when the connection p- can be made purely through the music. That, to me, is is, is such a gift. I don't Perfect. know if I've answered your question, but I, I, I like, I, who have, I, that's so, who are you? That's right. such a tough question. That is such a it's tough huge. question. But I think if you ask the two little people that are watching a TV show right now while I, while I talk, I'm a mother of two kids, like, yeah. you know, I'm just like, I'm just mom. I'm like home base for everything. They don't know me as someone who, well, they know I'm a musician, but they don't. They don't connect with me through my music, that's for sure. Right. Or yep. maybe they do. Totally. Maybe, yeah, maybe they do. My lullabies. But anyway, it's a, that's a really tough question. 
Yeah, it is, and everybody has their version, but you're the one that's the author of that. That's a great answer, and that's it. You're giving, you're giving everybody the gift of your voice and your imagination, your songwriting process. And thank you for giving me the gift of some time to expose you to my audience some more. I love playing your music. Thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I appreciate it. Well, listen, I feel the same way. Um, I appreciate your very uh, thoughtful and interesting questions. I'm glad that we could have this conversation. I sure hope that I make it to Kansas City. That would be a dream. I would love to make that happen. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers and songwriters in Canada, America, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz and great music. An immense thanks to Jill for giving us her time, her music, and talents. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. The chances that I'd find you Beyond Jazz.